Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and I am Ken Napsok here for another edition of Spotlight Star Wars, episode 27. It is a fan Q&A, taking your questions from the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars on Twitter. You can follow me at Ken Napsok or follow the feed itself at Force Center Pod. I'm preparing right now to head down to Kamikaze in downtown L.A., uh, recording this on a Friday night. So by the time you're uh, hearing this, it'll be Saturday. And I'll be at uh, Joseph Scrimshaw's Attack of the Star Wars comedy quiz panel. Some great guests, Audrey Kearns, Mike Black, and Hal Lupin. 
on that as well. So by the time I'm broadcasting next time here on the Four Center podcast feed, I will let you all know how that wonderful panel with our uh, our co-personality here on Force Center, uh, Joseph Scrimshaw, how it went. Looking forward to it and uh, hope to meet some of you out there from either Schmoe's land, Force Center land, Jedi Alliance land, Screen Junkies land, Knapsack Files land. There's a lot of lands for you all to come to meet me, and it's always an honor to meet you face-to-face. So as I said, tonight we're going to be doing, uh, on this episode, uh, a fan Q&A. We have the hashtag that we uh, call uh, out here for you uh, on Twitter at hashtag SpotlightStarWars. And uh, we, we are uh, we got some great questions this week. So I was thinking of doing a uh, show. I didn't want to ramble about what toys I bought this week. The answer is actually, believe it or not, I didn't buy any Star Wars toys this week. I know, I'm slipping. I uh, did buy some comic books, but that doesn't count, right? Right. All right. So some great questions. I wanted to uh, go uh, through and address them and talk to them and say thanks to some of you, like Carolyn Terry at Kazzy Twit. I like that name. At Kazzy Twit. Uh, she says, I've been spending some time with the Spotlight Star, Star Wars back issues, uh, so to speak, which are uh, can be found on the Knapsack Files podcast feed. And she says, thanks for being such an awesome human, Ken. Thank you, Carolyn. I uh, think it's debatable as whether or not I'm an awesome human, but I at least enjoy the attempt uh, to believe that I am, Carolyn. But thank you so much for catching up on Spotlight Star Wars. Again, Spotlight Star Wars is, uh, started on the Knapsack Files podcast feed, which is on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podomatic. But uh, now we're here in the Force Center podcast feed, which is available on iTunes, Podomatic, and soon Stitcher. I have to check up on it. We did submit to Stitcher, um, the RSS feed, so hopefully that happens soon. Some other great stuff coming through here. It's theories. Um, uh, Be careful for light spoiler speculation. Uh, As you know, I try not to spoil anything, but sometimes speculation for The Force Awakens can be counted as spoilers uh, as such. And if you're one of those people who's uh, not wanting to know anything going into The Force Awakens, uh, I understand. I want to know as little as possible, but we are definitely to the point where I'm uh, having fun speculating as we're uh, we're getting there. We're inside two months to The Force Awakens. And Ricardo Rodriguez at the Richie Boy 94 says, hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. Maybe Finn loses his hand like all the foolish Jedi rushing to fight the big bad evil Sith, or in this case, maybe a Knight of Ren. And uh, this is actually a two-part hashtag. He started it by saying, I think it's Finn that Rey is crying over because if you see the background, it's the same forest as the uh, Kylo versus Finn shots in the, uh, their apparent lightsaber battle. So this is uh, theory time at, uh, what is it, 1.45 in the full theatrical trailer. We know if you freeze it. Uh, Ray, Daisy Ridley's character, is uh, over a body. And much speculation as she cries over this body. Is it Han Solo? Is it the mighty Chewbacca? Is it Princess Leia? Is it now Finn as a theory? Maybe it's BB-8 and an overcoat. We don't know. And that's part of the fun. Now, I've been thinking about this more and more. My... Uh, media thought was Han. My second thought was, well, it looks like a bunch of fur, or at least a furry coat. It's got to be Chewie. It's got to be Chewie. Um, whether or not Chewie dies, maybe it's just infirmed. Maybe Chewie is really cold for some reason because he's a lot older now and his fur isn't as thick. And Ray is crying over that. I don't know. But, uh, Ricardo, you have uh, you have an interesting theory. And I have heard some people say, you know, I think that's Finn. And they have cited the snow in that trailer shot. So if we're diving in, putting on our Star Wars nerd caps, let's dive in to that theory. I definitely think, from everything we 
seen in that fight, if you stop it frame by frame, and I'm one of those souls that did, Finn looks nervous. He looks afraid. He, he definitely looks aggressive, and he knows a fight's coming uh, when he's got his lightsaber out, and uh, Kylo Ren, helmet off, is marching towards him, and I love the little detail of Kylo Ren uh, igniting that lightsaber, that uh, broadband lightsaber, if you will, the long sword lightsaber, if you will, and there's just a little, there's a really aggressive moment, aggressive beat in Kylo Ren igniting that lightsaber. It looks like it's going to be a brutal fight, so I definitely agree that Finn does not look ready for this lightsaber fight, so it would make some sense, and keep and Star Wars uh, um, path, the path that Star Wars takes a lot of, of people running off to face the bad guys before they're ready because you need to have patience. And Finn is uh, possibly still learning the ways of the Force, maybe, or maybe he just has a lightsaber and he's uh, seen some history holocrons and how to use it and he's going to give it a go. And he's overmatched. I definitely think, I I am of the, of the school thought that the, the clips we're seeing from that Finn-Kylo-Ren lightsaber fight aren't at the end of the movie. Again, we could be totally wrong. That's what's fun about this speculation. We are open speculating here. Um, but I uh, I don't think that's the end of the movie. I don't think that's the final confrontation. A- Abrams and Team Abrams and Kennedy and Kasdan, the mystery box theory, all that good stuff that Abrams likes to bring to the table, I don't think there's any way that he would show us the final fight at this point. I think he's going to keep anything that they have closely resembling a final fight, whether it be with Luke Skywalker, whether it be Kylo Ren, who is Luke Luke Skywalker. I don't buy that theory, by the way. Um, it doesn't matter. Maybe it's Han Solo uh, picking up a lightsaber. It doesn't matter. We haven't, to my, in my mind, we haven't seen that fight. I think the Finn thing comes at a different point, possibly earlier. Uh, and so I could see that maybe he's hurt. Maybe he does get his uh, hand chopped off, or maybe he is hurt and Daisy Ridley is crying over Finn. Uh, so, Ricardo, that's not a bad theory at all. Be curious to see any of you out there uh, who have a theory on that. Uh, no spoilers, please. No facts, all right? No facts. Don't hashtag Spotlight Star Wars if you have facts uh, because you've seen the script, a screening, um, a leak, or anything like that. Please, uh, don't, because uh, you're hashtagging it to me or Joseph over at Force Center Pod. But if you have a reaction to uh, Daisy Ridley and you think you know, or you think you think you know who she's crying over, please let us know. That's a great theory, Ricardo. Yeah, you're not wrong on there. You might not be wrong on that. Timothy Ewan Snell, at Tim on Tatooine. He is definitely a Star Wars fan. He says, hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. What's the book, capitalized, you want? Uh, I'd love a Dooku story talking about his Serrano Serrano youth, uh, then to a Jedi and his fall, his Padawan Qui-Gon, Xyphodeus, Palpatine, Jango, all that stuff. Well, let me tell you, Timothy, I never would have thought that I would have wanted a Count Dooku book. Um, Count Dooku. Um, But you're kind of right. There's an interesting story there, and there's interesting stuff of him giving up his uh, place in the Jedi Order and starting a Separatist movement. And yeah, it might have been part of Palpatine's plan, but there was some stuff, if you read into some of the history and some of the canon stuff we know now, into the Dooku character, there's a lot there. He was kind of a rebel Jedi, and we like to follow those rebel Jedi, right? Some of our all-time favorite Jedi, the ones the, the stories focus on, are all those rebel guys. Yeah, the Jedi have this, this strict way of doing things, but it's the Qui-Gon's. It's the Obi-Wan who toes the line, but 
and definitely follows through with the edicts of the Jedi and the Jedi Council and Jedi Masters, but even Obi-Wan kind of takes some chances, uh, especially in the early days, especially in the Clone Wars cartoon. And then Anakin himself. Uh, I think the Clone Wars cartoon uh, does a great job of expanding the Anakin character and making uh, making you kind of understand his fall or why he would have uh, kind of gone out and uh, sought his own path at times. Um, so all of that kind of... Um, there's some thought. I mean, you, you, that, that kind of starts with Dooku. I mean, his master, his trainer was uh, Yoda, uh, as we know. But um, like, Dooku's got a story there, and and there's some stuff, school of thought that with his starting of the separatist movement. Again, like I said, it's a Palpatine plan. It's part of the Phantom Menace, all that kind of stuff. But in a way, the separatist movement was the start of the rebellion. It was kind of the granddaddies of the rebellion in a way. It's certainly not being treated or addressed like that in, in new canon or on the show Rebels and some of the comics and books and everything. But if you take out the thinking, I mean, Dooku legitimately f uh, left the Jedi Order and returned to his family and uh, took back his uh, title of Count. Um, late in his life, he wasn't a young pup when he did that, so he turned his back. He had seen what the Jedi Order had become, and to uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, see it down the line, and then, all right, he gets seduced by the dark side of the Force, fair enough, but he kind of saw maybe where the Jedi were going and what the Republic was, and uh, there's a lot to the Dooku character. So, Timothy, that's a good point. Can we get a Dooku? We got Tarkin. Uh, I know Tarkin is more memorable and well-known uh, character, so it makes sense we have a Tarkin book. But if they announced the Dooku book, I'd be interested. As far as an actual book that we haven't got yet, Timothy, um, that is a good question. That's why I'm talking about it. Um, I would uh, be very, very curious about... Um, you know, it's like I could say bounty hunters. Give, give me more bounty hunter books. Everyone goes that, but uh, that's kind of getting old. But... Um, Weird to say, because they're doing a movie about it, but if you were to pitch me a, a young Han Solo book, maybe even go back to his childhood, maybe even go back to his days in the Imperial Academy, finding Chewie, all that stuff, if you were to pitch it to me that way, I might be more open to it than a movie. Uh, I'm looking forward to what they come up with with the Han Solo movie. We've heard different things about it. And the Kasdan's father and son are writing it, and maybe there's some comedy in it, maybe there's some young Lando in it, and, and I'm excited about that. There's something about seeing Han Solo portrayed on screen by someone not Harrison Ford, and again, I get it, it's an age thing now. Um, it'd be easier to accept by seeing a younger Han on screen. But to, to read it and have it in, experience it in book form, I think, and, and this time around in the full new canon, I, I gotta tell you. That would be intriguing to me. I, it seems kind of cliche to say, give me a Han Solo book. But there's a lot to learn there. A lot for us fans to, to see uh, what formed Han Solo. Uh, is it an origin story? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And I'm not a huge fan of, of all origin stories, but there's a lot there. And if you were to really kind of play it out, and how did, how did Han get to where we see him in A New Hope? I think there's an intriguing story there, and I think the movies that they're cooking with is gonna cooking up is, is gonna deal with this, of course. But I, I can still see it and still take it as a book. Uh, I also, interesting enough, wouldn't mind some books that actually take place during some of the movies we're already familiar with in the original trilogy. Um, Hoth is one battle. Uh, the Battle of Yavin is one battle. 
there's still a lot more going on with the rebellion trying to get get hold and, and get a foot in this battle with the Empire. It didn't just happen to me uh, in, in a couple battles. We don't just go from the Battle of Yavin to Hoth to regrouping to taking down the Death Star, the second Death Star. There's time in between those stories. So there had to be other things the Rebellion did, other fights that they lost, other fights that they won, other things that were happening in the galaxy at that time. And if you could expand on that a little bit, expand, there's that you universe word, and, and you could do it in a canon fashion, that's intriguing to me too as well. So what happened after the uh, Rebels uh, scrambled from Yavin? And I know the Princess Leia comic uh, addresses that a little bit. It takes the uh, starts. The Princess Leia Marvel comic starts seconds after the Death Star explodes, the first Death Star, and that's great. That's a great moment. There's some great stuff in there. And then the series kind of goes off and focuses on Princess Leia because, duh, it's called Princess Leia. Um, and you introduce the character of Evan... Evan um, the the Alderan, uh, Alderanian pilot, and uh, they, her and Leia have this kind of back-and-forth relationship, and it goes in that direction, and that was good. It wasn't my favorite of the comic series. But some of the stuff I loved was in the first issue, how it addressed, all right, we just blew up the first Death Star. Oh, crap, the Empire's still out there. We still got to go. Now we go find a new base. We got to find all that stuff. And um, the the series of Dark Horse comic, the uh, comics it put out in 2000, uh, what is it, 12, 13, into 14, uh, the Brian Wood series, addressed some of that stuff, addressed the rebels looking for a base. Um, and uh, again, the main Marvel Star Wars line right now is addressing that as well, too. Uh, fair enough. But I'm talking about a good book that takes place between Star Wars and Empire. Or like I said, runs runs concurrently with with Empire storylines. You know, like while Han and Leia and, and Luke and everyone's chasing and running around and there's asteroids and they're heading over to Cloud City. What else? The Empire and the Rebels weren't just sitting around waiting for that to happen. That was one small section of the galaxy, one small part. Vader looking for Luke and all that kind of stuff on a mandate from the Emperor. Oh, by the way, don't forget, people still never really knew he was Sith at that time. So I, I, I could see some of that stuff just focusing on the rebellion, on the Empire, and their struggle and their battle. That could be an interesting story as well. Uh, thanks again for your question, Timothy. Jessica Beardsley, at Jess R. Beardsley. She's a regular tweeter at hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. She says, just a thought, King George, George Lucas, abdicated his throne to Kathleen Kennedy. Does that make her the heir to the Empire, winky face? Jessica, I don't think she's the heir to the Empire anymore. I think she is the Empire. You think you're the scourge of New Mexico? Well, by God, I am New Mexico. It's always time to throw Young Guns 2 quotes into the mix, believe me. Uh, Daniel Logic, at Daniel Logic, says at Force Center Pond, hashtag Spotlight Star Wars, why? Why did the Death Star have to go around Yavin 4 to destroy the moon and not just destroy the planet, then the moon? That's a good question. And that's one of those things that I love about Star Wars. It's not perfect. There's plot holes. There's question marks. There's huh and huh and wait a minute moments all the way through the classic trilogy, prequels, comics, books. It's part of the fun. Part of fun is crawling into these cracks in the story and asking. Uh, it's always been fun. And one of the things uh, that I say it's always been fun is because this particular question, Daniel, and I'm very glad you asked it, um, I've been asking this since like 1983 on the playground. I'd ask my friends, I don't get it. The Death Star, why does it have to wait? It just destroyed Alderaan. Take a shot, blow up Yavin, and then go for the moon. 
Like, uh, I, what, what, what are the rebels going to do? You blow up that first planet, and the moon's going to kind of go in the blow and in, in, in the force as well, and, and the rebel ships are flying. They'll probably get hit. Just take out that first planet. I don't know. There's probably some science behind it. Maybe Tarkin was just too confident and cocky. Maybe this is, this is about the arrogance and complacency of Tarkin and the Empire at that time. I don't know. We'll never know the answer, Daniel. We never will be able to get into Tarkin's mind from that point on. But yeah, I always thought that. Even as a young child, a young Star Wars fan, why wait? Just take out both planets. Now, again, maybe you take out the planet and you got to recharge. Maybe the Death Star's kind of a one-pump chump. And you got to have some uh, reset time, some a refractory period for the Death Star to eat a sandwich, take a shower, start over. I don't know. But again, you take out that planet. Uh, imagine that moon is not going to come out looking as pretty as it did before the explosion of that planet. It seemed pretty close. But again, I'm not, I'm not the smartest man. I has a dumb. And maybe a better person out there can hashtag Spotlight Star Wars and answer the science behind that. Be curious. Uh, boo! No, uh, that's not what I'm, I'm not trying to scare you. It's Boo at BK Brian King. He's changed his name for Halloween. Brian, you got me? You scared me? He says, hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. Do you have a favorite weapon, new, old? And hope you're feeling better. Thank you, Brian. I, you can probably still hear it in my voice. I'm going on two weeks of battling some kind of uh, bronchial infection or something. I don't know what I got. A lot of pressure in my life right now, and it's uh, been hard to recover. Um, but I uh, appreciate the well wishes, Brian. To your question of do I have a favorite weapon, new and old. So I'll break that up into two. Old weapon, thinking classic trilogy, pretty simple. It is Han Solo's blaster, which has a certain make and model, and there's better Star Wars fans out there that, that can name that. I can't, I can't name it right now off the top of my head as I record this show live to tape. But Han's blaster, the look of it, and if you held the toys back in the old days, uh, the ones that weren't painted orange, it had a great feel to it. It just, it just kind of molded and fell into your hands. And, and Han's blaster, man, that's the one I always wanted. That is the weapon. Yeah, the lightsaber is cool. The lightsaber is cool. But Han was my guy as a kid, as a Star Wars fan. And that blaster, hokey religions and ancient weapons. Uh, I always wanted that Han, Han blaster. I'm quite enjoying uh, the Nerf Chewbacca bowcaster, which is at my office over at Screen Junkies. And uh, routinely gets used. Every day, Andy Signore loves shooting that Nerf Chewbacca bowcaster. I'm going to have to buy one for him so he can keep his hands off mine. Uh, old weapon, Brian? Or, excuse me, new weapon, Brian? Something from the prequels or uh, anything else, uh, including some of the new series? That's a good thought. It's a good question. I don't quite know. Ah, I do know. Ah, I thought about it, Brian. Here's your answer. The Force Pikes first really seen in use in uh, Revenge of the Sith, right? Yeah, with Grievous's little uh, robot henchmen, his little bodyguards, and, and those Force Pikes. Uh, uh, I don't know if I'm calling them right. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm calling them Force Pikes, but that's probably not right. Uh, but the pikes that they're holding that uh, can block lightsabers. You, you guys know what I'm talking about. They make that humming sound. They kind of got purple uh, glowing stuff on the end of them. That's right. Purple glowing stuff. You can tell I'm feeling really detailed and scientific tonight. Uh, those. Those ones are great because they can fight lightsabers. And that was intriguing to me even in Sith. 
It didn't come off as cheesy to me. It was like, oh, someone found something to counteract the lightsaber. That's kind of cool. It adds some uh, adds some uh, danger and some some risk uh, to earn the reward that Je- the Jedi's have in Attack of the Clones and definitely in Phantom Menace. The carving through droids like butter, which is there was no danger in it. It just seems like uh, yeah, and it was the golden age of the Jedi and they had all the great skills of the lightsabers. And the lightsaber is a good good weapon. Wouldn't mind one even if I uh, had that Han blaster. Um, but uh, when those uh, when those droids, the Magna Guards, I believe they're called. Uh, I'm so flying off the seat of my pants tonight. If I'm saying things wrong, please bear with me. I know some of you out there will be like, well, but you know what? The Force Center fans are actually pretty damn positive, and I appreciate that. You don't correct out of a negative. You correct out of assistance. Um, but I think those are the Magna Guards. Um, when I saw those pikes, Revenge of the Sith, on board with them. It was kind of cool. See? The prequels aren't all bad. Um, speaking of pikes, laser pikes and all that stuff, Steve Harrison at Uncle Steve says, Spotlight Star Wars, had a theory, what if Finn and Rey are half-siblings? Rey from Han and Leia, and Finn from Han and another woman. How dare you, Han? And he also has another theory that Rey's staff is a laser pike. Maybe it's the same type of thing. Let's go with Rey's staff. I think Rey's staff is very key. It's included in every figure. It is just about in every shot that you see with Rey. It, It definitely factors in. I still think if you look at that figure, and I have the Darth Plagueis Black Series figure hanging on my wall. If you look at that, it's so similar. It is just so similar. So if they're saying, if, if Ridley has, uh, uh, Ray's character, Ray, excuse me, um, if she's a scavenger and, and likes to go hunting for stuff and old Imperial uh, Star Destroyers, to think that at some point she somehow stumbled onto Darth Plagueis' staff, I think that is downright cool. Is it far-fetched or, or very big or too convenient of a, of a plot device? Sure, I can get behind those uh, counter-arguments. But I think that pike is important. I think that pike is important. But maybe it is just a uh, laser, laser pike. Um, and to Steve's theory about uh, Finn and Rey, half-siblings from Han and Leia, hey, the Marvel Comics series has introduced Sena Solo. Now, she's claiming to be Han Solo's wife. That story has still has been sorted out. It's actually an intriguing character. I, there was a lot of hubbub when she came out of that uh, star, her, her star cruiser there and uh, said to Leia and Han, hey, I'm his wife. Uh, and the issue ended, and there was like, some controversy. No, Han would have never done that. Look, we know Han wasn't a virgin at the start of New Hope, and I hope that is in that movie and or that book that I want written that Han got around. But uh, Santa Solo, the timeline of the comic versus uh, Finn being from that relationship, I don't think matches up. But it's possible, and it would be interesting uh, to see. Hey, you know, Han, uh, maybe Han and Leia had a little, uh, maybe they had a little uh, falling out. Maybe they spent some time alone after Return of the Jedi. And Han got a little drunk, ended up in someone else's uh, space cruiser, and uh, then you got Finn. It's, it's possible. Uh, I don't think that's the case, Steve, but it's a good theory, and I love talking theories. Tom Thustian. Did I say that right, Tom? I think I've said that before on the show. But at Thu understo- underscore Sten, Stain. Thustian? Tom, write it out for me again. Tom, you got a great question, though. He says that Ken Napsok, you always mention you incorrectly predicted the Phantom Menace storyline based off the trailer. What is, was your version of episode one? Hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. Tom, Tom, Tom. Sorry, Tom. I'm all over the map tonight. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Are you a Magna Guard, Tom? What was? So well, this comes out of, I've said this a few times on Jedi Alliance and other places, and in, in here included Spotlight Star Wars, that um, upon seeing the first, the, both the teaser and in the full theatrical trailer for Phantom Menace, which I still think are good, and I know a lot of people, including my great friend Nick Mundy, are saying, hey, look, this trailer and the teasers that have come out for Force Awakens, sure, they look good. But don't forget the spring of 1999. We all thought the same thing. You're right. We did. But looking back, there were some other things. Jar Jar was featured very prominently in that stuff. And even then, eh, we, we probably kind of knew and we are just overlooking it. I don't think the Force Awakens teasers and trailers 
have those indicators that it's going to be overly silly or have some kind of that, that bad humor. Again, it could be wrong. We could all be wrong. And on December 19th, we'll all wake up uh, from a collective hangover and we'll need to comfort each other because this movie uh, failed on all levels. I don't think that's going to happen. But, but upon seeing the Phantom Menace trailer, uh, I had formed a story. And I said this in a very early edition of Spotlight Star Wars, that the problem with new, whether it be the prequels at the time, whether it be the new canon books, comics, um, and, and eventually Force Awakens here in a, in a short time, we all form our own expectations. And if you're hearing it for the first time, here's what it is. If you're hearing me again, I apologize. Bear with me. The problem with new is we all form as Star Wars fans, and we are a passionate and persnickety bunch. And stubborn bunch. We form our own expectations, and that includes story points and how we think it should go and how that character should act and how this should play out and how that should be. And we have very, very key... It's buried deep into our brains. Uh, as, as a child, all right, I had Episode 7 written in 1984 in my head because I used to daydream about being Han and Leia's kid in that movie. The fact that there's an episode 7 now would, would, would not surprise my 8 and 9 year old self because I was planning it then. Luckily I've forgotten what I daydreamed as an 8 and 9 year old for episode 7 so I won't be as disappointed. But seeing the teaser and the theatrical trailer for Phantom Menace created in me a fast-paced story, Tom. It seemed as though you started out on Tatooine. Uh, the Liam Neeson character and, and young Obi-Wan get this uh, young kid who's in a pod race, and he's got force powers. That all seemed clear. And they and they go on, and, and maybe they're chased, because we saw some stuff coming out. We saw some pictures of this Darth Maul Sith character on Tatooine. So I figured, and I, we ended up kind of being correctly, that as they were trying to leave, or they are on Tatooine, Maul and Neeson, unnamed character, we heard, uh, is, it, is it Quigan? Quigan? Quigan Jin? Uh, we learned later Qui-Gon, of course, when the soundtrack was released with his funeral song. Um, and then from there, so I thought, all right, they escaped Tatooine. The movie starts with a fancy pod race and an escape from this, this killer Sith that with a double lightsaber and the horns and how scary he looks. And there's some shots of them flying off the, the, the Naboo ship flying off quickly. And, and there, and there's talk of a blockade and all this kind of stuff. So I thought that was happening. Then maybe they go to Naboo and they're trying to hide out and they're seeking some help. And they got uh, these, these fish Gungan characters uh, that they're there, and, and then you got um, you got uh, 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 the, the queen, which at the time we didn't know was an elected position. I thought it was pure royalty, um, and they seek help there. And then that's when what we you know uh, uh, we know now are separatists, but then was what we'd call the old empire or the empire of that time surrounded that planet, and that's what I was hearing about. Oh, uh, there's a blockade. And there's stuff going on, and now there's a war, and there's a full invasion, and C.O. Bibble is saying uh, a communications uh, uh, breakdown can only mean one thing, invasion. Um, and all now now you got these guys, and you see those ships landing, and, and you see the battle droids unfolding, and you got this battle. And, and that they got to get that they know this, this Anakin kid is important, that they know that Yoda's like, hey, get that kid back here. And Sam Jackson's character is like, get that kid back there. But now everyone's after him, and, and, and the whole time, like the Nazgul from Lord of the Rings, Darth Maul is chasing. He's after, and he wants, he's in Qui-Gon, and Obi-Wan are defending this kid left and right. And there was a couple lightsaber battles in my mind, that this was a, this was a pursuit. 
And as far as I'd get, Darth Maul was always there. But now they're trapped on the planet, and there's a war going on. And then Qui-Gon does say in the trailer, look, uh, we, we can only protect you. We can't fight a war for you. And I thought that, they look, they got to get out of there. They got to go. They got to get Anakin to safety. And then in that process, um, they, they, they get out. There's a big fight. Maybe there's a death, and then the soundtrack comes out, and we're thinking, yeah, there's definitely a death. Um, and that's some of the shots we saw at the end of the trailer. And Palpatine's involved. Maybe Palpatine's uh, working from the inside. That that seemed kind of clear early on, because uh, I don't think anyone was fooled about by uh, the shots of Darth Sidious. It was one of those... Uh, uh, even JJ's mystery box from back then couldn't have hid the fact. And that was one of the great... There was some great stuff in the teaser, uh, one of the teasers, with, uh, with Sidious saying, uh, you know, wipe them out. Um, and it was, so you knew that character was there and, and that's what I thought too. I pieced that together. I thought, Hey man, like, you know, maybe, maybe that he's sending all the forces in and take out this little Anakin kid, take it all out. And Darth Maul's there chasing him. So that's what I thought, Tom. I thought it was a fast paced breakneck pursuit story, getting this kid to safety and a war breaks out. And then we, we didn't get that. And Hey, the story of Phantom Menace ain't all bad. The political ramifications and the movings and the machinations and all that kind of stuff, it makes sense in the galaxy at the time. It, it, it's nothing there that's so far outside of the realm of, of, of realistic possibilities. And if you're telling a story at that time of the re- fall of the Republic, it would have to do with some politics. It would have to do with some people doing some bad things from the inside. So all that stuff, I don't know if it's bad. There's just the execution of the story, and uh, I wish episode one had focused more on Obi-Wan early on, which if you read Chris Taylor's book, How Star Wars Conquered the Galaxy, uh, you can uh, absolutely uh, read about the the alleged first draft of episode one, and it kind of contains uh, some of those things that I think we all kind of uh, wanted, Obi-Wan being the focus. So anyways, that's what I thought, Tom, and then that uh, that did not happen. That did not happen, and the expectations that I had were not met, and that, again, is the problem with new sometimes. So, final question. Thank you for staying with me. This comes from my dear friend George McCann out there in New York City. It was a great time to uh, see George out in New York. When I was out there for New York Comic Con, George took me and Alicia Malone to a great bar at the McKittrick Hotel, uh, which is uh, was called The Heath. And I felt like it was an episode. I was in an episode of, of Boardwalk Empire. It was it was great. And George is a longtime Schmozno supporter uh, and a great young, uh, still developing uh, filmmaker and screenwriter. And he's got great things coming. George, I appreciate the time you spent with me in New York. And I appreciate your question. It's going to close us out here tonight. He says at Force Center Pod, do you think Star Wars could benefit from a darker, bleak? Episode 7, and he says, I think it would elevate Star Wars to a new level. Hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. George, this is a question for the ages right now. We're putting on our Star Wars nerd cap, and we're putting it on tight tonight, kids. Would Star Wars benefit from a truly dark, realistic-toned Star Wars Episode 7? Everything we've seen from the trailer so far indicates that it's it's got a realistic tone. It's got a realistic look to it, much the way Abrams did with uh, Star Trek in, in 2009. Some of those shots, the Millennium Falcon, the first thing we see with the, the, the Millennium Falcon in the first teaser, 
That's that's the best we've seen the Millennium Falcon in my eyes. Possibly ever. Yeah, I have a soft spot for what we see in Star Wars, Empire, and Jedi. And Jedi, despite what Josh Tapia of Schmozno would say, hashtag go sit, uh, I think the Falcon looks pretty darn good in Jedi. But that shot, when you hear the dark side and the light, and boom, the Millennium Falcon flies, and you got those flares, and that's when those flares work, in my mind, J.J., and it flips around, and it takes on the TIE Fighters, and what we've seen now, and we know, they definitely know, it's practical uh, sets on the inside of the Falcon, ask Harrison Ford's ankle. Um, the Falcon uh, looks real. The, the tone looks real. That ship in this full theatrical trailer, the Star Destroyer that, that Daisy Ridley is uh, climbing down into is definitely looks uh, very darn real. But that ship... That moment in the trailer when she's sitting there kind of minding her own business and they kind of do the edit that the ship's flying over the horizon and she looks up and um, that looks real. It looks realistic. So for me, there's definitely a realistic tone that this movie's going to have in terms of how it looks. But how it feels and how it plays out, will it be really, really dark? I don't think it's going to be all the way through. But I definitely think there's going to be some dark things. Just that shot of the lightsaber fight. Again, go watch it. Just that brief moment. To me, it's unlike anything we've seen so far in a Star Wars movie. There's been some great lightsaber fights. The Jedi one between Luke and Vader is still my favorite because of the emotional undertones. And I do like some of the uh, prequel stuff. Uh, as choreographed as they were, I kind of agree with George Lucas's theory. It was like, hey, these were the Jedi at the top of their game. They knew how to fight. They weren't just uh, standing there swinging swords, all right? So I can get behind that. But but that moment in the uh, trailer where Kylo Ren, again, ignites a lightsaber. Check it out. I said earlier in this episode, check it out. There's a beat there. It's aggressive, an aggressive beat. And then Boyega's got that fear, um, adrenaline, and, and all right, we're doing this. Oh, crap, we're doing this. That's something that's more realistic than I think we've seen in Star Wars movies before. So, George, your question is, do you think Star Wars could benefit? I'm talking about predicting if it will or not. So to answer your question directly, I think it could benefit from being leaning, from leaning to a darker, more realistic tone. It still has to have some whimsy. It still has to have some light. Look, if Wicket shows up in this and they do it well, I'll be happy. All right? Some of these other characters we're hearing that they're coming back, I'll be happy. I want some of that. Star Wars is an epic myth. And myth, you got to have some of those characters. We're going to have R2 and C-3PO. You know there's going to be some uh, comedic moments with BB-8, or what we hope will be good working comedic moments and not forced ones. Um, I think that'll have to be there. They can still play realistic, though. Uh, the prequels didn't play realistically. But the humor in Star Wars, A New Hope, played generally realistically. But the humor in Empire, and part of one of the reasons I think Empire is the penultimate Star Wars movie, is it was darker. It was more bleak and real. And the humor and the interpersonal relationships were more real. Irving, the late Irving Kirshner, Irving Kirshner said uh, in Empires of Dreams, the great documentary from Lucasfilm, that he didn't have all this stuff. He didn't have a big battle to work up to. His started with a battle. His lightsaber fight ended darkly. He had a dark ending. So it, it had to be 
It had to be about the characters and the moments and the humor. In Empire, it plays more real, just like the romance or the tension plays more real. In the pain and the suffering plays more real. And where Jedi suffers. And I love Return of the Jedi. It will always have a special place in my heart because it's the first one I saw in the theater and remembered. I did see New Hope in a drive-in, but I was one. Uh, didn't see Empire in the theater. Um, Jedi, where it does kind of suffer, and I'm not going to the Ewok card. I'm not playing the Ewok card. It does suffer from not being as genuine. There's some moments early on in the Jabba Palace, the Jabba's Palace sequence and the Dune Sea sequence. All that kind of works because there is kind of some of those real moments. Han and Chewie were meeting up. That was a sweet, fun moment. Uh, I'm out of it for a while and everyone gets delusions of grandeur. That's some stuff that plays real. Even the uh, Han and Luke, like, uh, you know, I was born here, you know. You're going to die here, you know. That kind of stuff comes off as a little more real to me. It's a little more written and forced, but it still comes off more. But later in the movie, some of the stuff doesn't work as much. Um, Han and 3PO, when the, when the Ewoks agree to help them in that moment. As a kid, I loved it, where Han keeps asking 3PO, Hey, ask them this. Tap, tap, tap. Hey, ask them this. Tap, tap, tap. Hey, ask them this. Tap, tap, tap. Hey. Hurry up. Eh, looking back as an adult now, it doesn't play as well. It's not as real. So Jedi didn't have um, it had some great tones in it and some great moments. And, and I don't need any of you tweeting into me or hashtagging uh, that I hate Jedi. I love Jedi. But Empire works more because it is entirely real and has a dark undertone. Now, we don't need that for every Star Wars movie, of course, Um I don't want everything to be some dark, depressing downer. But I, I think Star Wars at this point in time could benefit from being closer to the first Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, not the Hobbit trilogy. It could benefit from being closer to that than even maybe the original trilogies, or, or definitely Jedi. And it might be sacrilege for me to say, but I'm saying it anyways, and I hope you out there understand. I try to always speak with common sense as a Star Wars fan, even when I put the Star Wars nerd cap really tight on my big head. My big, fat pudding head. Uh, even when I do that, um, I, I do try to speak with common sense. So hear me out here. We could benefit, yes, George, we could benefit from having a darker, more realistic Star Wars Episode Seven. Bleak? I don't know about bleak, though. You gotta describe bleak. Empire was kind of bleak. But I don't think we want to start the new trilogy out by being completely bleak. Maybe we want to start out the new trilogy by being slightly damaged. By taking a hit. And maybe that goes back to the theory of Finn. Maybe he's the one on the ground hurt. Maybe he's the one learning a lesson. But at the end of the day, there's still some hope. At the end of the day, we're still rising up. And at the end of the day, there's still whimsy. But I definitely believe Star Wars nowadays can benefit and be elevated from being darker and more realistic in how it portrays this universe and galaxy that we love so much. Let's hope we get that. Let's hope we get that film we all are hoping for. Let's hope our expectations are collectively met. What a Herculean task for Abrams, Kasdan, and everybody involved. But we have hope because we're Star Wars fans. And there is always another 
hope. That is Spotlight Star Wars this week on the Force Center podcast feed. We have uh, got more shows coming. Joseph Scrimshaw has been busy preparing for Kamikaze and leading this panel that we're on uh, this weekend. So his show is still in development. Uh, Jennifer Landis' show is soon, and we're going to bring uh, bring back Force Center real soon. We can get all the people in one room. But thank you so much for listening to this edition and subscribing to Force Center on iTunes. Do me a favor, rate and review. You guys have been good so far on that, but it really does help keep us around. We are on Podomatic and hopefully soon Stitcher. I remember to check. Last time it was remembering to submit. Now i got to remember to check that my feed has been approved by Stitcher. As always, follow me at Ken Knapsack and at Force Center Pod and hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. Uh, and I will uh, answer your questions. We'll do it again. You guys are the best. So until next time, may that force thing kind of, sort of, always remain around you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.